Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Warning for some pretty intense transphobia and misgendering. 80-year-old Julie Juman was permanently banned from her local YMCA after demanding that a transgender worker leave the women's locker room. Juman said that she was trying to protect little girls from a biological man in a women's swimsuit who was watching them undress. So this week, a few dozen people joined Juman to protest the YMCA. Some of the protesters, including her, were assaulted by lunatics, men dressed as women. Okay, first of all, that granny rocks. But when pressed, Port Townsend, Washington police said that Mr. J- Mrs. Jamin had an emotional response to a strange male being in the bathroom and helping a young girl take off her bathing suit. Well, I should hope the response to that would be emotional. Yeah, because uh, th- this, you know, you can just picture this kind of situation where they're grooming little kids uh, completely inappropriately. And you're, you're, you're doing the thing that a lot of people want you to do and that a lot of people watching would. But I hope everybody is aware that this, uh, from what I understand, is a pretty wonderful profit for big pharma and medical systems. It's, and what's happening to children becomes even more disastrous. 
And, and you were protecting the sick. kids. You, you were protecting the kids. I, I mean, they should have a responsibility <laughs> to do that. The Young Men's Christians Association uh, should be doing that themselves if they are playing any role in this whatsoever. Uh, it's pretty frightening. This is It Could Happen Here. I'm Garrison, and today we're talking about a recent flare-up of anti-trans hate and the anti-trans protests and campaigning that's engulfed a small town in northern Washington in what conservatives describe as the culture war front. The past month, far-right media personalities and anti-trans so-called feminists have partnered together to create an international nexus point for the increasing attacks on trans and queer people, resulting in a wave of harassment, death threats, and rallies, including an upcoming anti-trans rally in association with the Proud Boys and Three Percenters, slated for Saturday, September 3rd. Port Townsend is a small city of just around 10,000 people, located on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State, just north of Seattle. The city has a geographic footprint of just under 10 square miles. Over the course of the past month, the quaint beachside city has become the focus of a disinformation campaign against trans people and transgender inclusivity. But unless you frequent right-wing news outlets, you probably haven't heard anything about this story, let alone are aware of the massive amount of harassment and death threats being targeted at trans people and their allies. Anti-trans and far-right activists have already descended on this small city from all around the country and plan to do so again on September 3rd, with Proud Boys and Three Percenters promising to show up. So, what actually happened that escalated things to this point? On July 26th, an 80-year-old woman named Julie Jammin was in a pool locker room and began verbally harassing a trans woman who was on the job as an employee of the Olympic Peninsula YMCA. Julie Jammin asked invasive questions about her genitals and later accused her of engaging in inappropriate conduct, while continuously misgendering this employee. Both the employee and YMCA officials, and like everyone else present in the locker room, have disputed Julie's highly publicized version of events, which we'll get into in a bit. But first, we're going to hear from the original target of the harassment. A few days ago, I was able to talk with Clementine, a young trans woman, about what happened to her near the end of July while working at the YMCA. It was a pretty normal day. That week, we were doing uh, swimming with the kids. Uh, and me and the other childcare workers, uh, you know, use the locker rooms kind of as expected. And I was using uh, the woman's locker room just because, you know, that works for me. Um, and that lines up with how I feel. We went through all of that, no problems. We got the kid, the kids got changed in their stalls. And then once we were out in the pool, one of the kids needed to use the locker room bathroom. So I took that kid and uh, another kid into the locker room in accordance with the WISE uh, rule of three system. To clarify, 
At the YMCA, there is a, quote, rule of three, where staff always accompany children in a group of three so that a staff person is never alone with a child and children are never alone with each other. As Clementine was standing with a kid outside the restroom stall, waiting on the other kid who was using the bathroom, Julie Jamond was showering nearby in a curtained-off stall across the locker room. I was waiting outside of the bathroom stall with the kid being the buddy, making small talk, when uh, Julie Jamond initiated the dialogue by asking if I was a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, I responded, uh, yes, I'm trans. And she asked me if I had a penis. And it kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> um, and, I, and I told her that, you know, that's none of your business. Um, Julie asserted that I needed to leave and that I can't be there. And then in response to her assertion, I just shook my head no. Um, I couldn't really leave or I'd be leaving the kids unattended. And, you know, I was backed into a corner. The kid, uh, at some point, um, the kid using the bathroom uh, exited the stall and had her swimming, uh, her bathing suit, like, wasn't fully pulled up. And she asked me for help. And so I assisted her by pulling it up by its straps. And, you know, there were other patrons present in the locker room at this time. And at some point around the girl coming out and needing her straps pulled up, uh, Julie was back in her uh, shower stall. And then around this time, two more kids entered the locker room. It might be good to mention uh, I have prescribed glasses. Um, I wasn't wearing my glasses and I couldn't see anything, which was kind of terrifying because, you know, it was like a shot in the dark. Like I just heard a voice and, and I had to search around before I figured out who was talking to me. But anyways, uh, the kids, two more kids came in to the locker room uh, and they overheard Julie shouting at me and asked me what was going on and like they had this concerned look on their face and and I just kind of told them to leave because I didn't want them to get involved. The kids went to the pool manager Rowan and asked for help with the escalating situation. They went straight to her and asked her to come help and told her that someone was yelling at me and moments later Rowan entered and as she walked by I got her attention and I told her, you know, there's an older lady yelling at me to leave right now. Uh, and I pointed at the shower stall that Julie was using. Rowan kind of like posted up and uh, Rowan stood in between me, the kids and Julie and waited for her to come out. Uh, and then Julie, you know, poked her head back out and said, get out. You're a man. Um and Rowan, you know, intervened when she sort of like popped back out and said, no, actually, you need to leave uh, because right now you're discriminating and kind of being a bigot. So it's actually that you need uh, it's actually you that needs to leave right now. And Julie told Rowan she was confused about gender 
Uh, and then Julie pointed at me and said, he has a fucking penis. He has no business being around little girls. He has a penis and he could rape someone. And after that, Rowan uh, sort of ushered me and the girls out of the locker room and uh, told me to go to her office. And then the other staff members found me and helped me. Um, and Rowan stood outside the lobby side of the office uh, when I was in there. and. Um, I guess like, yeah, after the police had been called, Julie came out and engaged with her, uh, and they were yelling, but, uh, I couldn't hear what was going on. And I mean, that's kind of the end of it. I know that Julie left after that and I just kind of checked out for an hour or two. It shocked me. I haven't had someone do that to me before. I've never been talked to in, in a bathroom or locker room before, especially in that way. The YMCA pool manager told Julie Jemin that she needed to leave and suspended her membership for violating the Y's code of conduct, which prohibits, quote, discrimination, hatred, derogatory or unwelcome comments, intimidation, conduct or actions based on an individual's sex, race, ethnicity, age, religion, disability, sexual orientation, or any other legally protected status, unquote. As well as having no tolerance for disrespectful words or gestures towards YMCA staff or others. Part of an official statement released by the Olympic Peninsula YMCA, uh, published as the incident in question was growing into a much broader anti-trans spectacle, clarified that Julie has had, quote, several incidents where she has repeatedly violated the Y's code of conduct, specifically using disrespectful words or gestures towards YMCA staff or others, and abusive, harassing, and or obscene language or gestures towards YMCA staff or others. The aquatics manager then informed the patron that she was permanently suspended from Mountain View Pool and all Olympic Peninsula YMCA facilities, unquote. After Julie was banned from the pool on Monday, August 1st, she started showing up outside the facility with anti-trans signs and led a small group of people into a city council meeting, resulting in an hour of public comment logged about the incident. Here is some of the statement Julie read in the city council meeting, which also gives a look at her version of events at this time. Approach the podium, state your name, and where you live for the record. Julie Long on the Peninsula, and um, I'm here because I had an experience that you need to know. I have sent it to you all in detail. In an effort by the city and the YMCA to apply the neocultural gender rules at Mountain View Pool dressing shower room facilities, women and children are being put at risk. My experience while showering after my swim was hearing a man's voice in the women's dressing area and seeing a man in a women's swimsuit watching little girls pull down their bathing suits in order to use the toilets in the dressing room. I reacted by telling him to leave and the consequence is that I have been banned from the pool. There is no signage informing women the shower room is now all gender and what that means nor have parents been informed of what they can expect with these new policies. The Y 
has not provided any dressing shower room options for women who do not want to be exposed to men who identify as women. The YMCA, the city, the police and sheriffs, the parents, the professionals who assist victims of voyeurism, peeping toms, pedophilia and assault need to come together to figure out how to make the new policies work for all pool patrons, not just one group. How to keep children who are less able to discriminate safe. It is ironic that women who discriminate when a situation threatens their safety or their children, a message from our ancestors, are now accused of discrimination as if they have made someone else a victim. We need to do much more intelligent and wise about applying the rules and developing policies that are respectful and inclusive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So just a few notes about that. Trans inclusivity at the Y is not some new policy. For years, it's been literally Washington state law that people have the right to access the locker rooms, changing rooms, and bathrooms that align with their gender identity. This has been the case since 2016. The law states, quote, entities shall allow individuals to use the gender-segregated facilities such as restrooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms, and homeless or emergency shelters that are consistent with that individual's gender expression or gender identity, unquote. And regarding Julie's account of the incident, there have been no complaints from children or parents who are using the pool, and multiple accounts conflict with Julie's telling of the story, as the employee never did help anyone undress, nor was watching anyone change. Throughout this city council meeting, there were several public comments in support of trans rights that pushed back on Julie's outrageous claims and called out the overall trend of misgendering and the groomer-style transphobia. At the end of the meeting, city officials themselves took a stand against the transphobic rhetoric that was present throughout the hour of public comments. Oddly enough for this show, uh, one of the people I interviewed for this episode serves as a Port Townsend city councilwoman. Right. Um, my name's Libby Wenstrom. Um, I'm an elected city councilor for the city of Port Townsend, and I'm speaking today on as myself rather than as a representative of the city or a representative of the city council as a whole. When did you first kind of hear about this thing that's now ballooned into this larger issue with people coming in from out of state to do protests and all this kind of stuff? I think I first heard about it on Sunday night which would have been, I guess, the 31st of July. And I heard about it from um, the YMCA aquatics director, Rowan Mackins. Um, and it was more in the tone of kind of a heads up that this was a thing that was going on. And then I heard a lot more about it the next day, which was Monday, the 1st of August, um, when uh, Julie Jamon showed up at the pool with a whole group of people doing a protest that they were picketing at the pool. And she also submitted a public comment to the city council meeting that night. And at that point, I realized that a group of people, including Julie, was probably going to plan on attending the city council meeting um, and reached out to some friends and acquaintances in the um, 
trans and allies community, um, Olympic Pride, um, the social justice group, and it at the Unitarian Church here in town, and various other people who had been kind of resourced and say, hey, this is going on, you need to be aware of it. And in fact, that night, there was over an hour of public comment. There wasn't anything on these council agenda. We, there wasn't a, anything we were discussing. It wasn't really a matter. It wasn't really, I think, even on the city's radar. But uh, 30-ish people showed up at the city council meeting. And normally when there's a public comment about an item that's not on the agenda, they cut off public comment at half an hour, but for whatever reason, let it run that night. So it was well over an hour of public comment. And some of the things said were pretty shocking and um you know to the to the tune of that you know all transgender people were pedophiles or that you know this was a rape happening and some some statements that were just not true and then based on what i heard that night i was really concerned and felt that this was both you know this was ballooning out of proportion which now seems kind of funny given how much more balloon it's out of proportion it's gotten there's not really any action here for the city or for the pool. I mean, one of the things that um, Julie Jamon has retained legal counsel and sent a demand letter to the city, but her demands were like, well, you should fire people. Well, they don't work for the city. They're YMCA employees. Um, well, you should um, change your policy. Well, the policy is literally state law and, you know, a bunch of things. So it's just, you can't do this. Um, so it's not really clear why this is all focusing on the city because the city doesn't really have, there's not really any action that the city could take here. On top of the dozens of people Julie led in giving public testimony, which largely consisted of transphobia, misgendering, and baseless accusations that trans people are pedophilic inherently. But that same day, August 1st, she also led a protest outside of the YMCA. To learn more about this, I talked with Cass and Raven, who are both part of a local affinity group. The first protest was August 1st, and they announced that they'd be back the same time on the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So the 2nd drew a much larger counter-protest, um, and then a lot of the same people who were there on the second came back the third and fourth, but there was nobody to counter protest against because the protesters gave up and went home after one day when they saw the kind of backlash they were facing. And most people, I think, thought that was the end of it, but people who do this kind of thing more often realize that this was more likely the vibe of the beginning stages of something bigger. A lot of red flags went off when we found out they were protesting at a city council meeting and yeah. planning to come back the following week. Oh, that's right. That was the other thing was the council meeting on the 1st where there was a lot of public comment logged. It seemed to us like this was going to escalate further, but other people um, tended to feel that it was going to be a quick, you know, one and done type thing with how fast the news cycle picks up a new issue. And I think it was probably about a week later on the council meeting on the 8th, because by that point we knew about the uh, planned turf action on the 15th. That's when it started to click for a lot of people that this was going to become a bigger thing. But I don't think anybody 
including us, thought it was going to become an ongoing issue. When I uh, searched Port Townsend on Twitter and saw trending hashtags on a wall of anti-trans rhetoric, a lot of red flags went off. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER me Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Since the City Council public comments, the YMCA had started receiving threatening phone calls, and Jammin had been returning to the facility nearly daily with some friends to protest, approaching everybody coming in and out of the pool and talking about how men are allowed in the locker room and bearing signs that misgendered the employee. Julie's group had said they were going to be picketing every day at the pool that week. Um, that they showed up, and there were about 100 counter- Counter-protesters isn't even really the right word. Um, 
people that were, there was sort of like a little pride parade there. And um, uh, Olympic Pride had a kind of a booth table set up and we're handing out pride flags. And uh, the social justice group from the QUF had a, um, you know, standing on the side of love banner. And there were kids blowing bubbles. And, and it was just, it was much more of a just kind of a lot of people here. As these initial picket-style protests were happening in front of the Y, the head of the Jefferson County Transgender Support Group called some friends and assembled this sort of counter-protest to voice their support for the trans employee and the YMCA, which resulted in this gay-ass trans rights party massively overshadowing Julie Jemin and her friends' little protest. As she was getting outnumbered in person, Julie took to alternative tactics by getting in touch with media outlets that'll give her a soapbox, resulting in a new wave of harassment targeted at the Y. There were about 100 people, and it was I think it was Julie and one or two other people. And people had some conversations with Julie, and it sort of seemed like that was going to be the end of it. And the next day, the pool was closed, and about 50 trans right supporters showed up and nobody showed up to pick it. And the pool was closed because pool employees were receiving death threats and just so much harassment. They basically couldn't use their phones because the phone lines were jammed and voicemails were filling up in 15 minutes, things like that. Um, so, and then the pool ended up staying closed, I think from the third, which was a Wednesday, all the way through that week and the, and the following week. And it was just kind of a safety issue of not wanting to have children present for day camps and patrons there if they were going to be harassed. Right after, I think probably on Monday the 1st um, of August, Julie reached out to, there's a local sort of far-right blog site called the Port Townsend Free Press that isn't really a newspaper or a news source at all. It's, it's kind of this, this one guy, Jim, James Garantino's blog. And she reached out to that, and he did an article. That first Port Townsend Free Press quote-unquote article came out August 2nd and served as a mouthpiece for Julie's inflammatory version of events, coupled with some conservative transphobia. More reputable news outlets and local press didn't really cover the story until it had already turned into a vital topic on the right— which means there was over a week where the only documented write-up of the incident was the Port Townsend Free Press blog post. Two days after that piece was published, Andy Knows, the post-millennial, posted an article largely pulling directly from the Port Townsend Free Press write-up. And that was just the start. The next day, August 5th, Ben Shapiro's The Daily Wire did an article about Julie Jemond and the danger of men watching little girls undress in the locker room. Later that night, the story was on Laura Ingram's Fox News show, citing reporting from the Post Millennial, which of course cited their reporting from the Port Townsend Free Press. And across the country in Washington state, we found perhaps the most maddening story of the week, an 80-year-old grandmother was banned there from her YMCA after demanding that a biological male leave the woman's locker room where little girls were undressing. They then went to play clips of Julie's public comment at the city council meeting, amplifying Julie's ever-changing altered version of events now on the national stage. 
I think the the mainstream actual, you know, real local newspapers didn't pick it up until the the seventh or the tenth, respectively, for the Peninsula Daily News and the Leader. And that gap when they amplified it out to the larger right wing press, this got picked up by Breitbart, it got picked up by the Daily Mail. They kept quoting that original Portanza Free Press article, which was very inaccurate about it, in terms of what it described as having happened. And I mean, it was both outright wrong and it also left a bunch of things out, like that the, the transgender person was a YMCA employee, for instance, or that they were in the locker room because they were supervising children. Um, and uh, I think it, where it really hit a crescendo on Thursday, the 19th, no, earlier, whatever, not Thursday this past week, but the previous Thursday, um, it was on Tucker Carlson. And that's where I really saw the email volume explode for plate people from outside the area where it was like, you know, you're getting 30 emails in five minutes and they're from, you know, they're from Texas, they're from Tennessee, they're from New Jersey, they're from Australia, they're from the UK, et cetera, that when it got picked up by Fox News, the reach really got broad. The first time the story was covered on Tucker Carlson Tonight took place on August 11th in an episode guest hosted by Brian Clemide. YMCA has changed a lot over the years. Now women and young girls at the Y are finding themselves in locker rooms and showers with men who identify as women, but they still have all their genitalia with them. And if you complain to the YMCA about their genitalia and what they're dressed like, you might get yourself banned. It's what exactly happened to an 80-year-old woman in Washington state. Here to explain, but not actually make excuses for, but explain is our West Coast correspondent, Seattle-based radio host, Jason Rance. Jason, set the scene. Yeah, so, I mean, here's a scene. Democrats used to stand up for women, but now they can't even define one. And as a result, you have 80-year-old Julie Jamon, who said she was banned from a pool and locker room facility that was managed by the Olympic Peninsula YMCA out in Port Townsend, Washington. Now, she says she was headed into the locker room to shower, and she saw something pretty alarming. She explained what happened at this council meeting. Then a clip from the public comments, please, and I will not subject you to that again, but here is a little bit more of that clip. So a number of residents showed up to support her at this council meeting, but the mayor, his name is David Faber, he was not pleased accusing them of transphobia. Townsend is a welcoming community, and hate and discrimination has no place in this community. Think pedophiles are included in that? I listen to you quietly. I'd like you to listen to me quietly now. Absolutely. Given the rise in harassment and bigotry that trans persons have experienced recently, it's essential that we all speak up, that, that cisgendered people like me speak up in support of our trans uh, community. Now, Jamon says the staff accused her of being discriminatory. The YMCA put out a statement basically saying we're not going to tolerate the bias, discrimination or hatred. And of course, in Washington state, the law allows anyone to use a locker room, changing room or bathroom that aligns with their gender identity. So they're basically saying we're doing what we have to do, except, of course, protect women who don't want to see this. Unbelievable. Uh, that guy should be ashamed of himself behind the mask. In the immediate aftermath of this, did you see it ballooning to this scale or did you think this was just like a one-and-done traumatic incident? Absolutely not. Um, I, I really just thought, you know, oh, my, my day's come. I finally had the bad bathroom experience. And, and I know a lot of people do have that bad experience. Um, nobody 
nobody is ready for it to be, you know, to have this much attention called to just such a small thing. Um, no, because I, I wasn't ready a- for it to be like this. Because, yeah, it's escalated to the point where you're, like, on international news for these, like, right-wing grifters who are trying to basically get trans people killed. Um, yeah. And you're... I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, really, it's really upsetting to have my face and, and name, you know, sort of be pushed out like that. And it, it's crazy how that feeling... The, the sinking feeling when I saw my my name and face, uh, or I don't even think it was my face at the time, when I saw my name appear on that local PT Free Press article. And, and you know, at the time it was a still a pretty big impact. And then to have that just keep happening and it, it got, it gets like kind of depressingly numbing. Yeah. To just have it keep intensifying. I mean, yeah, I've been on hormones for almost a year now, and I've avoided that for kind of reasons like this, that it sucks, because I just feel like I, I feel like this is a very common experience with trans people who are, like, starting out, like, you just can't really go anywhere, because you look too weird to go in the men's room, (laughs) and you're not quite, like, you don't feel comfortable in the women's room because of stuff like this, and, you know, if you're non-binary, that's just a whole other issue of, like, where the fuck do I go? <laughs> like, there's there's, there's a, not a lot of options sometimes. But then to have something that's already very stressful be turned into, like, a fucking, like, Daily Wire, New York Post, Infowars shit is, like, yeah. like, what? Like, ha- like it's, <sighs> I mean, like, well, Tucker Carlson, like, all of it. It's really... It's disappointing that there's this idea that I, you know, am am actively trying to violate people's space. And and it's really frustrating because of how uncomfortable I feel putting myself in that position, being in that room. Um, And I don't want to have something like this happen. And, And I don't, you know, I don't abuse that space because I'm not some guy trying to prey on people i'm i'm just trying to use the bathroom and, and get changed and and, and like and do they, your job. They talk about like oh you know walking in penis hanging out and and all of these things but i don't change in in the public space i go into a changing room and you know i i understand you know that confusion and i try to subtract myself from the space as much as possible and make it you know more comfortable when when i'm in a position like that where i'm trying to um you know sort of entertain a kid who's not happy to be a bathroom buddy and and i'm kind of put in that position where i have to talk um it's super vulnerable and and i just remember feeling small and and i just shrunk when she talked to me like that and I, I don't even, the space just got so small. Piggybacking off the groomer and growing anti-trans attacks we've seen this year, a large swath of right-wing influencers and media personalities jumped on this story to drive outrage and push their rhetoric. Here's a brief clip from Newsmax. They're more than willing to just ignore 
possible pedophilia happening at the YMCA in the locker room? Well, it's, from my point of view, it seems more like some sort of hypnotism. I know the word woke has been put to it, yeah. but I have to tell you that all public agencies I'm connected to uh, as a citizen in a very small town, they are all operating with this uh, gender identity, and you've got to wonder what is happening in those most private places that people, particularly women, need to have. You know, we've we've had you on we've had you on the show a couple times now, and and you seem very level headed. Yes, very very level headed indeed. Um, by now, the story has been headlined in an obviously very mischaracterized and transphobic fashion, but still headlined by the Post Millennial, the Daily Wire, Fox News, Daily Mail, Breitbart, Newsmax, Infowars, the New York Post, The Federalist, and the quote-unquote feminist news site Redux. As false retellings about what happened in the Olympic Peninsula YMCA went viral on the right, threatening emails and phone calls started pouring into the YMCA prompting them to shut down the entire facility for over a week, leaving many local families without childcare services. Intense harassment and death threats were sent to city officials who voiced support of trans rights, and also to the pool manager. In my conversation with Libby Wenstrom from last week, she detailed some of the threats and the impact the harassment has had on the community. A lot more of the ire is now kind of directed at the city and the mayor and just at the pool director and less at employees. Um, the transgender employee who was, you know, attacked in the locker room by Julie Juman is actually no longer why. Um, and other people have left is another undisclosed location just out of concern of trying to get the kids as far away from this whole process as possible. And, and so that took a little bit of time and juggling to set up. And they were so short-staffed, they were actually calling for volunteers in order to try to keep the child care open this week just because um, they were already somewhat short-staffed. And with people leaving, it had just been even harder. Um, the Y has been open I think all week this week. I think it was open Monday, Tuesday, today's Wednesday. Um, so it has been able to reopen. They, they've changed the schedule around. It's now not open sa Saturdays again um, and shuffled in. I think some staff are working seven days a week in order to try to keep it open. Um, people are still getting threats, um, still getting – I got a terrible email last night. I haven't been getting death threats. I've been getting things like um, – you know, you're a disgusting fat pig bitch. Why don't you go back to the buffet? Um, and, you know, things like that. It hasn't, for me, been death threats. Um, the pool director was receiving photographs of her children saying they're next. And um, some pretty explicit threatening messages like, I'm coming for you. I know where you are. Um, and Mayor Faber has been getting similar things. He got one where somebody was threatening to come to his home and rape his wife. Um, so it, these have been pretty horrifying messages. For the most part, most of the email has and the voicemails have been coming from out of the area. You know, they're not they're not local. Um, so it's a little hard to gauge whether these are serious threats. But you, at some level, you feel like you have to take it somewhat seriously. 
Um, and that, I think, has been pretty disruptive, both for the Y employees and for the city. As Julie's retelling of the story was going viral across right-wing and turf media, resulting in the pool having to temporarily shut down, a so-called press conference was scheduled outside of another city council meeting for August 15th by Julie and her allies. There's a local, um, she bills herself as a sort of radical feminist um, named Amy Souza, who has a um, uh, sort of anti-trans blog site. And um, she has really taken this and run with it. Sorry, I I plugged in, but not well. She's really taken this and run with it and has, I think, has been really this kind of driving force behind a lot of this amplification with onto far-right media. Um, And Amy Souza held a, what she billed as a press conference on the August 15th, the night of the most recent um, city council meeting, and showed up with a group of, I don't know, probably 25 or 30 supporters. And there were estimates are between 350 and 400 um, trans rights folks from town. I mean, they, they were local who had just showed up. And, and most of them were waiting in line to go into the council meeting and, you know, flying flags and, and raising banners and stuff. Um, but there was some heated shouting and one person got arrested for shoving there weren't any char- charges filed. I did confirm that with um, uh, the sheriff's office um, that uh, with the courts that that no, no charges got filed out of that, which is contrary to the story they've been putting out that like there were assault charges filed. That's not true. I believe uh, there were about uh, 300 people that came out to confront uh, less than 20 um, people coming to try and bring hate into our community. and. Uh, it feels like that really inspired a lot of the different networks uh, to get connected. Um, our personal little network's are incredibly white. Um, most of us are, are trans of some regard. Um, and uh, we were reached out to by a local BIPOC community that uh, we, we've had some crossover with, but not a lot. But since this happened, um, just the interconnectivity with, with that group has just exploded. After the press conference protest, footage of the event went viral, spawning another new wave of right-wing media outrage. Clips from the quote-unquote feminist Redux magazine Twitter account show Julie trying to give a speech while being drowned out by chance in support of trans people, and at one point, someone running behind Julie to rip down a suffragette flag put up by one of the TERFs. And a side note, in some much less viral footage, uh, we can see TERFs trying to rip pride flags out of the hands of people who are counter-protesting. So, eh. Conservative coverage of the protest painted a pearl-clutching picture of scary trans people assaulting women. A few days after the press conference, Julie Jamin herself made an appearance on Tucker Carlson Tonight. Julie Jermon is one of them. She's 80 years old. She's now been banned from stepping inside a YMCA. Why? Well, because she dared to object when a male employee was assigned to watch little girls remove their bathing suits in the bathroom in a women's locker room. So this week, a few dozen people joined Jermon to protest the YMCA. Some of the protesters, including her, were assaulted by lunatics, men dressed as women. Here's some of the footage from that on Monday. 
You may have read some version of my personal experience, a naked old lady in the women's shower room, and what I saw that day. Screaming at her. Julie Juman is the woman, the brave woman you just saw that video. She joins us tonight. Julie, thanks so much. We are grateful that you are joining us. Why, at this stage in your life, are you taking it upon yourself to, to speak up against this in the face of what we just saw? I was in the shower and I saw that man in that women's suit and I saw him watching little girls. You can't not act when you see that going on. You must do right. something. So I, and, and bless you for doing that. That's exactly right. Your, your moral sense is just, is clear. I, I, I have no idea what your background is, but you have a very clear sense of right and wrong and I wish more people had it. So you tried to explain that in the video we just played and rather than listen to you, people screamed at you and then appeared to come at you. Have you noticed there's no conversation about this? There was, it was a mob of hundreds of people that came streaming into this permitted uh, gathering and they kettled us. I think that's what you'd call it. They pushed, shoved, they knocked women to the ground. These are the men and the supporters of men that I, apparently the YMCA and the city want to allow into the women's uh, dressing and shower area. I object. And you at the age of 80, were banned by the YMCA. It's hard even to believe this is real because you were taking a shower and there was a man in there and they banned you, not him. What could tell us if that's true, A, and B, what YMCA is this? Yes, that's correct. I, I told that guy to get out of the shower and then a staff member came around the corner and I said to her, get him out of here. And she said, that's discrimination. You're out of here for life and I'm calling the cops. Can you tell us what YMCA, where did this happen? This happens in Port Townsend, that's on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State. It's just, it's, I, I, I hope they are punished for the way that they treated you. And I appreciate your bravery and well, your forthrightness. I, I do too. We did try and get the police to come help us. They were standing across the street, whoops. And uh, they were told by a directive to stand down. They did not come to help us. I hope they rot. Julie Jaman, thank you for all you've done. I appreciate it. Good to see you tonight. Throughout all the media spectacle, I feel like the actual original victim of this harassment has kind of been forgotten, despite them being the current face of the transgender menace. In my conversation with Clementine, we talked about what it's like to be turned into this sort of outrage symbol. Like, I've, I, I watched the three hours of public testimony um, a few nights ago, which was, I was on, I was, I was on so much caffeine. Um, <laughs> it's the only way is to that, sit through is that. Is that the first, is that the meeting that happened right after the incident or the Monday meeting from the 15th? Uh, both. I did both in one both. night. Yeah. It was, That's it was, a lot of footage. It, yeah. Um, 
and one of the more shocking things was just how 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 mis one how mischaracterized the incident was, and two just like how much blatant misgendering there was, and like talking about you not as like an actual person, but as almost this like evil archetype in people's minds. Like it's so dehumanizing in a really bad way. Um, let alone all of like the like misgendering stuff. Like it's yeah. it was it was wild watching just person after person completely mindlessly create this villain in their own heads. Um and then just attach it onto an actual human being who's like you, like your privacy is actually been violated. Like your, yeah. like like your like like private information, your uh, pictures, names is going all over these like, b- like neo fascist news sites, and like, if something's you know people are framing this as like you know, safety and privacy and like if you want to look at what's actually going on, it's so different and there's such a disconnect between watching all of that public testimony, and looking at all of you know the the right-wing press of this incident and yeah I don't know, I mean, it's it's very depressive they, framing it's really clear and disappointing when you're the subject of it because i know what happened in that space and you know there were people to witness what happened and we worked uh to get our reports out quickly but it just didn't you know it didn't matter because of how dedicated this woman was to getting her side or whatever i mean in reality it it just feels like she was dedicated to hurting um i don't know what her motivation was but it, it's the blatantly false side of the story that really hurts because accusations that i was standing there watching I think they they go anywhere from like two to five kids is their number. Um, I was watching the Tucker Carlson and I think I saw that number five, watching five kids undress um, when that's just not what happened. I was standing there with one kid who was fully clothed chatting while we waited for another kid to come out of the bathroom. And it's just wrong. It's misinformation and it's not about, you know, it's not even about um, pushing an agenda. It's, it's about people's livelihood and it's really damaging to have my privacy violated like that, you know, um, straight up. That's what it is. Um, it almost feels like you're just like this sacrificial archetype <laughs> that they're boogeyman. Yeah. It's like, they're not even a, but they're not even like interested in you as a person, really. They're interested no. in you on this, 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 this like idea, and pro- to project you onto this whole other idea, which is so fucked up because you're an actual person. Like, yeah, well, and and you can see in the comments and stuff on some of these that it's pretty. You know, I I won't try to dig into like uh, the the ugly, the ugly and the bad of Twitter, but. Like, I've seen people say that I'm, like, a fully bearded man or, like, I'll be paralleled as a lumberjack. And it's, like, or, I mean, and not that, you know, your appearances matter. It's it's about how you feel. But it's kind of, you know, interesting to see how I'm 
I'm painted in such a weird and twisted light. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER me Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Despite going viral in the right-wing and turf news sphere, local sentiment in the Port Townsend area has been widely in support of trans rights and not very pleased that their town has been upended for over a month due to one woman's personal prejudice and discomfort. I've lived in Port Townsend for 24 and a half years. And in talking to people over the last couple of weeks, I would say nearly universally, the local sentiment is why is this such a big deal? Like, this basically somebody got startled in a locker room, made kind of a jerk of herself, and is now trying to blow this into some kind of international incident. And, you know, here's this little tiny town at the edge of the continent. And we're like, why? Why, why is this the most important thing? You know, why did, you know, a 
dozens of families not have childcare for 10 days? Why did, um, you know, the YMCA employees have to not get paid? Why, why did, you know, the, the, the impact of this has been so outsized relative to the actual, what actually happened. The person who started the initial incident with the trans employee, it's, it's kind of funny in a way that, yes, she's gotten out her message to the whole community, but it's spread as a result of the organizing against her and against the group of people that she's bringing into the area. And it's gotten to a point where just random community members that we don't have any direct connection to are recognizing her and knowing why she's a known person and are just kicking her out of their businesses on site. It's like the, the backlash against that incident is really spreading really well. And we're getting this really good organic network building throughout the community. Earlier in August, before the big press conference thing, various BIPOC and queer collectives and affinity groups started networking, and a solidarity meeting was set up to figure out how to take care of each other as the far right's spotlight on the town grows. Myself and one other person went, and maybe a couple others who I didn't know, but the two of us were the main ones who were more directly involved with the queer community side of responding to what was going on. And it was really great. Like they just were like, we want to support you. We want to, you know, help take care of you. What can we do? And then for the action on the 15th, when we were talking about, you know, like here's, here's the kind of response that we're wanting from the whole community but here's some of these background needs because none of them were experienced enough with protesting to feel comfortable going out on the front lines and doing stuff. They went about a quarter mile away and set up a community picnic. And I don't think people took nearly enough advantage of it because the planning happened so last minute, but they did a great job of setting up in solidarity in solidarity and in support. And we're really looking forward to working with them more. We spent the last uh, few years uh, running small group uh, basic medical classes um, and uh, workshops and really making connections like within our community and having this come about and having everyone come out to one place and see each other and going, oh, we know you and I know you. Um, and from different communities coming together, we've really been able to enable those folks to come together to start building more of a unified front. I want to reiterate that with all the media spectacle, it's important to not lose sight of the original target of all of this hate and transphobia. The physical and mental effect of such a massive wave of bigoted harassment and doxing can take a substantial toll. I had to stop going into work at a certain point because I couldn't do it. I, I woke up in the morning and I looked in the mirror and, and I just broke down because it was too much to keep going and to keep trying to bring that bright energy uh, to work. Um, and a lot of doubt uh, is that's what I've been experiencing is a lot of 
you see so many people trying to divulge your character in a negative way and it's you know it's toxic and it can kind of seep through and and make your life toxic and that's why i just had to stop looking because it hurt too much and it's putting me in this limbo i i don't feel like i've gotten a break for a month i feel like i've just been tired and like it's like a purgatory rest i feel like i'm in purgatory (laughs) you know has there been any kind of like support on the community level that has been helpful yeah yeah um i've been i've been definitely grateful and um blessed to have the community response be really astounding and, and supportive yeah uh i've been given the opportunity to be so much more connected with my local queer community as well as my local community period. Um, There were a lot of supportive voices uh, that made it a little bit easier to ignore the darker side of this. Um, And elephant in the room, uh, the GoFundMe, I don't know how I would feel if there wasn't, you know, something uh, rigid and like a rock to lean on like the GoFundMe to be able to have something hopeful to look forward to and think that I can, you know, be me and that I can afford being me. Uh, I don't know how I would navigate the storm without something like that in the distance. It's been overwhelming and I've just been waiting for it to end. and, And it looks like it's finally slowing down but um the support makes it easier and the support is a kind of attention that really helps right now because it's strikingly easy to feel bad uh to feel just dissociated when when your life is kind of thrust into a different lens in what felt like a day what kind of was just a day or a week. This month has felt like longer than my entire summer break. The situation in Port Townsend is not over yet. In a bit, we'll talk about the upcoming anti-trans rally on September 3rd. And there is this kind of absurd irony that's not uncommon when digging into these types of issues, that the types of talking points common among reactionaries and all the complaints around violations of privacy just end up actually being enacted by the people who push these moral panics. So things have just continued to kind of escalate and escalate. My understanding, and I wasn't there for this, is that yesterday, which was the 24th, um, Amy Souza, I'm not sure if Julie Jamon was there or not, because of course Julie Jamon's been banned from the pool, um, showed up at the pool with a film crew and was trying to push their way into the locker room when pa- patrons were there using the locker room, trying to film inside the locker room and got asked to leave. Um, so it's, it's still continuing to escalate. One of the things that I've been noticing a lot, and it's something that for those of us who are more involved, this is kind of a, you don't say moment. And it's the people who are coming in and making accusations and making attacks against the community are very much doing the exact thing that they're making accusations of. 
there was an issue the other day of the people who planned and hosted the uh, protest at the council meeting going into the Y with a camera crew and demanding to film the locker rooms while people were using them. Um, there's lots of accusations that have been thrown that we bust in people from Portland and in reality, the main aggressors who were there on the 15th in their group did come from Vancouver area. Or um, were flown in from Texas. Or were flown in from Texas, yeah. Like this was... 300 people who live within 20 minutes of Port Townsend showed up because they care. And they had to fly people from as far as Pennsylvania to host an hour long press conference with 20 people. And so we're, we're seeing that a lot recurring. The person organizing this upcoming action is also lives in Vancouver area and is inviting people from all over to come up and, start fights here and try to get video of confrontations going and everybody up here wants to just be left alone and live in peace, but they also want to show up and they're kind of getting an opportunity to show up in the most low effort way. It's, it's in your own town. You might as well show up. I remember a few weeks ago, there was this headline from a Federalist think piece that went a bit viral for being a, a big yikes, <laughs> almost mirroring the fascist framing of blood libel. If you replace, quote, the transgenders with, quote, the Jews, you'll see what I mean. The headline reads, quote, the transgender movement is not just intolerant, it's barbaric and violent and it's coming for your children, unquote. Almost exclusively, its sources are Twitter accounts like libs of TikTok and a few random TERFs. And this is what we mean when we talk about how things that seem like they should just be insignificant Twitter bullshit actually do affect the world off of social media. This is how entire conversations on the validity of people's existence get formed and directed now. The last section of the Federalist story is about the Boston Children's Hospital. And if you listened to yesterday's episode of It Could Happen Here, you can guess the kind of disinformation the article peddles. And many readers, many of whom are not on Twitter, will take whatever it says at face value. Same thing for libs of TikTok stuff being boosted on Fox News. The majority of the Federalist think piece, though, is about Port Townsend and everything stemming out of the YMCA incident. And the whole article is as terrifying and fascistic as its headline. I remember seeing the Federalist article headline and just being like, oh, here's another, another piece doing the same thing. And I didn't realize it was about like a, this specific incident until much later. And oh yeah, it's the kind of, it kind of does play into the idea that like, we know these things happen. You just don't expect them to happen like right where you are until it's, until it's, until it's going on. Yeah. I've spent years screaming at a wall, telling people that this is coming and uh, really hope that all of my preparation had been for nothing. And it's happening in my hometown now. And getting national media attention, everything from, you know, Ben Shapiro to InfoWars to interviews on Tucker. Back during the Trump presidency, we were pretty much just uh, gun nerds and uh, 
had started a small little uh, uh, gun club and we're inviting our friends and our, our local uh, queer community out to, uh, to learn about that. And it went really quickly from that to uh, people having more of an interest in the uh, medical stuff we were teaching, specifically uh, Stop the Bleed. And uh, so after the Trump presidency was over, um, a lot of people dropped off and just the majority of the people that stuck around happened to be trans. Um, but we continued offering uh, these classes. Uh, we were hosting ones out here about de-escalation, about Stop the Bleed. Uh, we're hosting uh, naloxone stuff. Um, I think with um, there being such limited options for direct actions in the area, a lot of people were kind of naturally tending towards how can we better support our friends who live in areas that are doing direct actions. And we started getting a lot more interest in those kinds of support roles, the medical training, the de-escalation, uh, even things like emergency preparedness and food security. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, because of that, we've just spent the last uh, few years running these just a uh, small group, uh, like one to four people, um, basically workshops on all these different subjects and uh, built somewhat of a connection with the community and a bit of respect. So when this happened, we actually had that to draw on and we could really um, help enable people to organize themselves and create some form of unity. So it's not small groups of people coming in without a plan, but a, a large group of people showing up all at once um, that were not directly involved in any sort of leadership of it's just naturally organically happened um but have really spent the last uh few years just feeling like kooks screaming at a wall um until this happened in our small town and completely unexpectedly and now we're actually somewhat useful before we close out we do need to talk about the upcoming anti-trans rally planned for the afternoon of saturday september 3rd at pope marine park organizers are explicitly tied to the proud boys and this rally is one of the most clear examples of how turfs self-described feminists or people just looking out for biological women's rights are perfectly willing to ally with fascists if it means hurting trans and queer people. The rally is billed as, quote, a rally for decency, stand up against men in women's public pool locker rooms and tell the city of Port Townsend to let Julie swim, unquote. Yeah, the guy who runs Common Sense Court Conservatives, a man named Robert, um, I always mess up his name, um, Zerfling, I think it is Zerfing, Z-E-R-F-I-N-G, um, who's associated in some way with the Proud Boys and is uh, associated with Roger Stone. He runs this blog called Common Sense Conservative. He is organizing something that's being billed as, quote, rally for decency, unquote, um, to be here in Port Townsend on the Labor Day weekend Saturday, which is the third. And... Um, it's unclear whether this is going to be a large event or a small one. They have not, as of yesterday, pulled a permit for that. Um, and there's some questions about, you know, if you're planning a large event, what what's that going to unfold like? Uh, Port Townsend is a tourist community. And at this time of year, we've got a lot of people in town over Labor Day weekend. Um, so 
a, a large Proud Boy rally is, is kind of, you know, it, it doesn't feel very comfortable. Is this kind of the first kind of big incident where you've had these types of like, you know, more kind of experienced uh, activists on like the anti-trans side or on, you know, affiliated with Proud Boys or whatever kind of come in and try to make this problem inside the town? We've had little bits and pieces of stuff. Um, The Proud Boys or something kind of connected had a kind of truck drive-through parade rally in 2020, sort of just prior to the election um, that kind of drove through town and, you know, with a bunch of big trucks. And I think some people were open carrying and it was, it was mostly a bunch of noise. Um, but it hasn't, this is a very liberal community. Um, and it hasn't really hit us. This is also just for context. This is a town of 10,000 people and, and it's the biggest town for, you know, 50 miles in any direction. So it's not, you know, it isn't like 10,000 people. That's a suburb. This, this is the big town. This is the county seat. Um, so it's, we've been kind of insulated from a lot of things. You know, we had, you know, we definitely had some Black Lives Matter protests. We definitely had, you know, we, we had a big women's march in 2017 and 2018, but we haven't seen the kind of explosive clashing protests that, you know, Seattle or Portland have. The far right is planning to mobilize people from around the Pacific Northwest, pulling from folks in Oregon and Idaho, and are expecting anywhere between 50 to 100 people to show up on the anti-trans side, especially people from Proud Boy and 3%er affiliated networks. One of the leaders of the Washington State 3%er militia, Eric Rode, has stated that he will be present and is encouraging his followers to join him, saying on Telegram, quote, I don't care if five of you show up or 50 of you show up. I will always march against men staring at girls as young as 11 pulling off their swim trunks. It would be pretty cool if people could cancel their plans and show up to stand against child molesters. God said if you even look back, I'll turn you into a pillar of salt. I wouldn't have looked back, but I never fail to answer the call to something so simple as don't stare at little girls when they take off their clothes, unquote. He then goes on to do some unhinged rambling about federal observation and his commitment to God and country, but he ends that post by saying, quote, When I get threatened by Antifa, I'll match to Antifa, unquote, which I don't even know what that means. The grammar on that is very confusing. Another Telegram post from a 3%er account reads, quote, Calling all patriots, all proud boys, all 3%ers, all lone wolves. We roll out to Port Townsend on September 3rd. Hope to see you there. We got proud boys and 3%ers rolling in from all over, unquote. The 3%er crew is also planning a pre- and post-rally barbecue party on Friday and Saturday night at Whidbey Island, which sounds like an awful time. That sounds like a horrible party. Our major concerns going forward is if protesters keep coming out here, um, that the right wing will get more footage that they can spin, um, bringing more attention on this, bringing more harm to the trans community across the country, um, that the right wing will attack someone locally around here, um, or that all of this spun footage will inspire someone from 
outside of the area or someone just sitting in the woods who will come and cause serious harm to a large group of our, uh, our local trans community. Um, and our intent is to, uh, to be there to have some sort of uh, response, be it medical or otherwise. I'm trying to think of how to say this. Um, I- I've lived here on and off um, most of my life and had started um, working towards transitioning but due to the national political situation specifically uh when the former president uh temporarily got rid of trans protections and medical um canceled all that changed my medical records back and have been presenting as a cis white dude since then specifically because of the amount of privilege that gives me and Having a trans partner who is working on their transition uh, in this town while this is happening is hitting home to a level that I was completely unprepared for. And the emotional impact that all of this has been having on me and the fact that it's not just here, but that this is getting national attention is something I'm still trying to wrap my head around. And I'm just really thankful for all of the networks that we've built and all of the the community, the local community, the broader Washington community, all the people who have just shown so much support for us. And it makes me feel like there is there is a future where we can just be left in peace. And that is the story of what's been happening in Port Townsend over the course of the past month and what could happen in the next few days. I'm going to close this episode with Clementine discussing the details of her GoFundMe. The GoFundMe is sort of a general transition fund for me. I originally made it specifically for two surgeries. I lowballed the amount greatly because I felt like if I asked for too much, I wouldn't get anything. And and I still got nothing for a long time. At some point when the articles were coming out, uh, one of the nationals used, uh, one of the national articles used my GoFundMe as a source um, to find out more about me. But that got my GoFundMe out there. Um, And a lot of different people started picking up on it and spreading it. I actually didn't do much at all to, to help that. I, it was never something on my mind, the GoFundMe. It, it just happened. And I looked at it one day and I thought, that's strange. I have more donations than last time I checked. And it was pretty empowering to see that or, or more hopeful. Um, but now, now, so I talked about uh, the GoFundMe was originally for two specific surgeries and I lowballed the amount. Um, I later revised, uh, actually it took me a couple times and a lot of consideration because I didn't want to feel like I was cheating the people that were being gracious to me, which I'm not trying to be. But yeah, uh, finding out that things cost more than I thought, but you know, it's way better than it was before. And to find it, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the first thing that comes up when you look up my name now, which is 
better than Fox News's video or or a Daily Wire article or whatever the big thing that would pop up otherwise is. But um, yeah, I, it's called Clementine's Transition Fund. It's on GoFundMe. You can find the transition GoFundMe at gofundme.com slash SRS for Clem. And that link will be in the description, or you can just search Clementine's Transition Fund on your search engine of choice. See you on the other side. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.